welcome to another Dairy Dialogue podcast, number 30 no less, which means we've been doing this for more than six months. Really doesn't seem that long, not sure if we'll do an anniversary one at 50, maybe if we make it to 100. Anyway, I'm Jim Cornall, editor of Dairy Reporter, and it's been a busy week here, lots going on, and I even won the village lottery. I think the prize is they let me live here for another year. And it's also preparation time, because I'm heading off to Vita Foods in Geneva, setting up all the interviews, of which there are many, making sure I've got everything I need, which is the hard part, what with all the paperwork, recording equipment, and not forgetting anything else. Plus, I still have to publish Dairy Reporter every day while I'm there. And I'm definitely not looking forward to the 6am flight. It's actually not the flight so much as it is the lack of sleep from panicking that I'm going to oversleep. I have eight interviews lined up so far, plus the spontaneous ones that will no doubt happen, as well as a trip to Gruyere to talk about the cheese. And then, later in May, it's off to the Free From Expo in Barcelona. Unfortunately, by the end of May, Barcelona will also be free from football, so I won't be able to go to any games there. One announcement that was made this week relates to events, and that's that Food Ingredients Europe and Health Ingredients Europe are combining as of December 2020, with the first being in Frankfurt, Germany, and then it will rotate annually with Paris. That's the one in France, not the one in Texas, although I suppose when it's called Food Ingredients Europe and Health Ingredients Europe, that's a bit of a giveaway anyway. We also heard this week that the Kerrygold brand of butter became a billion euro a year brand. It sells a staggering 7.5 million packs every week, which means that in the two minutes that I've been rambling on so far on today's podcast, they've already sold 1,488 packs obviously in stores that are open, and presumably not to the same person. Also in Dairy Reporter this week, we took a look at some of the new products hitting shelves in the dairy aisles around the world in April. We sometimes get items for the monthly roundup sent to us by email, so please, if you do have a new product that's launching anywhere in the world or has just launched, and it's in the dairy or dairy alternatives space, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us through dairyreporter.com. And so, on to today's programme, which includes two interviews, so a little shorter than last week's Vita Foods preview, and this time we talk to Arla Foods Ingredients' Joe Catterfield on a new whey protein hydrolysate for sports drinks, and also with Fraser Tooley, who can fill us in a little more about the International Whey Conference, which was just announced, and which takes place in Dublin, Ireland in 2020. And, of course, we take our weekly look at the global dairy markets with Liam Fenton from INTL FC Stone. For our first feature this week, Ala Foods Ingredients has a new product specifically designed for the sports nutrition category with its new Lacprodan Hydro Clear. The 100% whey protein hydrolysate solution is specially developed for formulating sparkling protein waters, and we chatted with Joe Catterfield, who is Health and Performance Nutrition Development Manager at Arla Foods Ingredients, based in Aarhus in Denmark, home of my favourite car park by the library, which is a bit like a vending machine. And after we chatted about the car park for a bit, I asked Joe if the whey protein in sparkling water concept had been in development for some time. Yeah, I I believe the concept uh, has been worked on for probably the last few years, and then it's been kind of refined, and then the kind of main launch was actually in uh, November last year at the Health Ingredients Europe trade show in Frankfurt. 
that was really one when a lot's been put behind it. So how does the product development take place in terms of coming up with that concept in the first place? So we have a like an industrial marketing team and they spend a lot of time looking at trends within consumers and also just market development. And I, I think it's down to three different things you can look at. You see the sales of like sports protein drinks has been increasing quite rapidly. And then you've got sales of these functional or fortified beverages are also growing. And then finally, the carbonate segment is surprisingly robust. Uh, you'd think maybe it was in decline due to all the sugar avoidance, but actually that's increasing. And that's a lot down to all these um, health position beverages that are coming out. So there's three different areas and this concept kind of fits into all three of those. And I guess sports nutrition has really taken off of late. Yeah, sports nutrition is, is absolutely uh, very important, but I'd say one of the main ways the category is evolving is that we're, we're more describing it as active nutrition because now there's these more regular consumers who they might not play sports uh, high level or go to the gym and, and work out really intensely, but they might be doing like a yoga class or something and they're becoming more educated about the benefits of uh, good nutrition and that's where they seek similar products, these protein products, but then they expect them to be very convenient and, and to taste good, which is a little bit different to the more traditional you know, bodybuilder style products that might just have a, a function and not taste that great. So that's a shift of where we're seeing and making sure that we're, we're playing part of that because that's where the growth is coming from. Yeah, and that does seem to be an area in the market that there is something lacking because when you, if you have done, even if it's just gone for a couple of hour hike and you're tired and sweating and need to replenish, that there seems to be quite a gap in that market. Yeah, exactly. So it's traditionally there's been the powders or the protein bars or these more milky type beverages. But then in recent years, you start to see this protein water category start to take off, which is more, you know, a still drink with some protein added. And then I'd say this sparkling format is a slight evolution of that because it's a similar type of profile. It's a refreshing drink with functional benefits. But you could say a lot of consumers are already familiar with what a sparkling drink should taste like. So if you say, here's a concept where it tastes just as good as your normal orange soda you would drink and then have some protein in, it's, it's easy for them to make that choice because it's familiar, but then they're getting this benefit on top of um, just the, the refreshment. And I think convenience and immediacy is always important as well because if you, you've just done a big, big walk or a big workout, you don't really want to be bothering with making up stuff in a blender or adding powder to milk and stirring it and all those things. People just want the convenience. Yeah, exactly. And it takes time as well. And you've got to carry things around. And, and you know, have, if you have a shaker in your in your desk at work and you can't just leave it there because it's going to be all getting, you know, smelling bad. So it's, yeah, having these one-stop solutions is definitely a benefit. I know myself, as I've got older, I, uh, I, I value the convenience as well. Yeah. And and the other, the other question often with these things is that you tend to, people tend to check labels and want stuff that's very clean label. And we've had the, the sugar issues with a lot of beverages and obviously clean label is quite important to this whole discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this, this ingredient, uh, this whey protein hydrolysate that we use in this concept called HydroClear, that would be labeled as a, as a whey protein hydrolysate derived from a 100% European milk. So the ingredient itself is, is, is absolutely clean label. It's just going to be interesting now that we've launched the concept to see 
what different positionings manufacturers go with it because there is ways you can add it to a traditional sugary beverage but you also could go the artificial sweetener route but i actually think there's quite a big opportunity to go more towards these natural sweeteners stevia erythritol um, a little bit of flavoring and you could get quite a simple product that's um, very clean label and tastes great could this be flavored with fruit flavors part of the ingredient it requires more of a lower ph so more acidic kind of product and that means that these more fruity profiles do fit very well of course it depends on which different types of acids are used in the soft drink because it also impacts the types of flavors that you would you would have but yeah generally we would recommend the more citrusy orange raspberry type flavors but it'll be interesting what what different manufacturers can come up with it's a neutral base to start with so it's easy to flavor without having to add any masking and are there any other do do you have competitors in this area or is this the first this, uh, we believe, is the only whey protein hydrolysate that's, that's available um, for, for sparkling waters. So okay. this, this, we believe, is unique to our food ingredients. And in terms of the availability, is it something that, um, I don't mean availability as in to buy, but the, the availability for the body, is it something that is adapted by the body very easily? Yeah, so whey protein hydrolysate, is a, it's, it's gone through an enzymatic process, so it's been slightly um, kind of digested already, kind of pre-digested. So the body has even less work to do in breaking down the protein. So it actually would appear in the bloodstream even faster. And that's why this this concept, there's many different ways it could be positioned. But as a kind of post-workout, 20 grams of protein kind of ready to drink beverage, it'd be very suitable for people that have just done sports due to the, the fast digestion of the protein. You said it was launched at uh, HIE last year. I, I was at that event. Is, has there been any reaction to it, or what's the reaction been like to it? Yeah, so at the HIE event, that was uh, it was crazy how how busy our stand was. We had a very very nice stand with some great great graphics. And I, I remember the first day, we were absolutely swamped by interest of people coming through the door and coming to the stand and tasting the product. I think we didn't even have time to take a single break the whole day. So that was a really successful uh, show for us. But the next step was that we, we knew we had a good concept, but we needed to actually validate that could this be produced in a, in a soda factory? Because um, that's a little bit outside of our, our expertise. We're obviously a way, a way company. Um, but that step was uh, taken in, in February, and we validated that it's possible to produce this concept in this can, uh, um, typical soda production processes. So now that's why we put out this this press release to really push to the to the market to say well, this this is what we have we know it works it, it's available now so now we're really yeah there's there's some interest across different markets uh, different different size companies but they are very interested in this because it is very on trend and and I guess you will work with companies on their own production and their own formulations and it, it may even go in directions that you're not aware of yourself yeah exactly so some companies they'll have their own production and they might be very very strong experts in the the soft drink area and it's mainly just a case of we supply material and some specifications then other brands are more based on the market side and they might need more support on the technical uses of the ingredient and they might also need to know where they can get it produced so in some cases we do have connections with with um, contract manufacturers and we can actually recommend customers on where they can go to get this product made and then uh, that manufacturer would help them develop flavors do labels etc so it's a very turnkey solution you could say as to what we can provide here um, we can really help 
help these companies get a full, not just the, the product, but also the full package, the product clinic and everything. Is this part of a, a whole series of products that you have under the same umbrella? We always have a, a large strategic focus on, on ready to drink beverages. So that's something that, that our ingredients are very uh, well performing within. So this sparkling uh, protein soda concept, this is one avenue, but there's going to be some other interesting innovations coming out later this year within the beverage space that we think are going to get a similar amount of attention and interest. So it's, it's a very exciting year in, in, within our company for all these different things that are coming. And this is available globally, I take it? Yeah, yeah the ingredient is available globally. So either customers can reach out to their local representative or they can also go on our website and we have a, a contact page where they can contact us and, and we can then follow up with them. You you mentioned HIE. Is it going to be at any other events in the near future? Uh, the only main event we have coming up is we are sponsoring the London Soft Drinks Conference, which I believe is on the 15th of May in London. Um, so we're going to have a stand there and we're going to showcase the, the concept to the soft drinks industry because previously HAE, it's been more focused on the health and sports nutrition. But we think this is a really exciting opportunity for a lot of these soft drink manufacturers to a way for them to get into the, the protein space where previously maybe it's been quite challenging as to how they could get into that trend because we know consumers are definitely looking for everything to have protein in these days. And now it's to the Netherlands about Dublin, but really it's a global story, so let me explain. The 9th International Way Conference was announced recently, and it will be taking place in Dublin, Ireland, from September the 6th to the 9th in 2020. Seems like a long way away, but before you know it, it will be 2020. And the other thing is, it's nice to pencil things in on the calendar so you know how things fit in, especially if you do go to a lot of events. The Dutch connection here is that I chatted with one of the organisers of the event, Fraser Tooley, who works with Friesland Campina in Amersfoort as the Business Development Director for Friesland Campina Ingredients. First, I asked Fraser about determining the venue. It alternates, as you know, every three years with the, the US. Uh, so, you know, we have a, a very strong uh, relationship with the ADPI. And, and the ADPI tends to be in Chicago. Most things, foodie things, tend to be in Chicago. But in Europe, we we tend to rotate it around uh, around places. We've been to Paris, we've been to Rotterdam, and, and in 2020, we're going to be in uh, in Dublin. Well, Ireland does seem to be a very appropriate place to go. Lots of dairy and lots of research going on in that country. Yeah, and and Ireland is really really supportive of this type of thing. You know, if we look. You know, the, the, the committee that's putting it together, we've got Chagas, we've got University College Cork and Enterprise Ireland. So there's an, a really great support and they have a, a very good location. You know, we need a big location. So that's also one of the factors and it needs to be easy to get to. So, you know, there's a lot of criteria going into uh, choosing the right at the right venue. Has there been a venue announced yet? I know when I did the article, it was just it just said Dublin. So is there a... Yep, yep. I was there last week and we were walking around and just checking and looking at the logistics. And it's going to be the RDS, just south of the Dublin city centre. And there's got a lot of hotel accommodation around the place. So we've checked that. It, it just fits beautifully. It's a great, there's a room for big plenary sessions where we can get everybody together. 
there's breakout areas where companies can do their own thing or we can have poster sessions. So it just ticks all the boxes. Is there like a trade show aspect to it as well, albeit small? Sort of market stalls thing, you know, where people can talk about, uh, maybe demonstrate, you know, whatever services or products. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a big exhibition. It's not mm. a, it's not a Vita Foods or a, an IFT, but it's a, it's a quite a big area, and we're hoping to attract quite a lot of companies into it, whether it's ingredient companies or technologies or universities or service providers or. You know, there's a whole bunch of people are interested in them, in showing their wares and uh, their services there. And how many people roughly would you get to one of these events? About a thousand is roughly what we're, we're thinking. And those are all then people specifically dedicated around way and slightly broader, you know, as way expands into slightly other areas. You know, we've got all these membrane technologies coming on now. So that's included as well. It seems to be an area that's really growing in the consumer eye than it ever was, I think. Yeah, I was before, you know, we got this conversation going, I was kind of thinking a little bit about it and trying to stand back from it. And I don't have hard evidence to support what I'm going to say, but I think if you look at way in terms of the technologies, the components, and then the markets, I think it's the most, if not the most, one of the most complex or varied raw materials that there is. I was just making a list of the markets that, that we sell into. Pharmaceutical, microbial diagnostics, biopharma, infant or early life nutrition, medical nutrition, performance lifestyle nutrition, food, food and beverages, feed, even into disposable or biodegradable packaging. So there's a huge variety of, of markets, and of course that reflects itself then on all of the technologies that we use to um, to create those products or separate or fractionate or, or alter or enzyme alterations or whatever. So I think it's probably the most complex, innovative food ingredient that there is, and that's going to be that's going to be controversial probably, but I. I'd like to see somebody else with a, a greater variety of uh, of applications and technologies, but mm. I stand to be corrected. <laughs> but it, as you said, though, it, it's um, not only that; it seems to be it seems to be growing, and the app, the number of applications seems to be growing, and there's a lot of innovation in the field. There is, yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, way is growing both in volume terms and in value terms. And in my career through, most of my career has been largely way based You know, I've seen huge shifts moving from literally product which was disposed of, product and feed, moving from feed into food, moving from food into nutrition, and then even into extremely specialized nutrition. And as you look at the way we've fractionated way, every time you fractionate a product to get a product out that you want, you create a co-stream. But every time we look at the co-stream, you know, then it was we had whey. Then we had the whey proteins, but we had the permeates. So then we add value to the permeates with, uh, with the lactose, and we add value to the lactose with the galactoligosaccharides. And then we start adding value to the delactose permeate, and, and so forth and so forth and so forth. So it's a continually innovative cycle of adding value and moving up the, the, the value curve constantly. 
for the event that you hold, do you do you, what kind of people would attend the event? Would it be a lot of researchers or broad spectrum again? Well, we're trying to trying to make it and keep it broad spectrum. It would be easy to go really science. There's, there are so many hundreds and hundreds of science groups and universities and researchers doing work on, on way, way derivative drugs. It could easily become a very science-based. And there will be a, a strong science core. But we also want to bring in uh, you know, a lot of other subjects. We, we need to discuss uh, around sustainability. You know, we need to discuss about markets and the, and the way things are going. So we're trying to put a palette, if you like, a portfolio of streams or subjects together um, so that we can attract a slightly wider base. You know, we need to get the marketeers there. We need to attract not only the purchasing people from our customers, but also you know, the marketeers or the business development people. And, and you would get people from the big companies from all around the world for this? Yep, that's the that's been the past, and now as we, as we expand, you know, we're obviously getting a lot of interest from Asia, from the states, with the relationship with the ADPI. We've uh, a very strong relationship in this particular conference with Elsevier, and Elsevier have a you know a double role uh, as the the organizer and the logistics. But also, of course, Elsevier has a lot of scientific publications which they um, are using to promote and tell people about the conference. So, um, yeah, we expect a, a broad portfolio of people, of disciplines, companies, and regions and geographies. Does each conference have a different focus? Uh, well, yes, it does. But that's, we sit down and we say, look, because we're always thinking two years ahead. You know, we've been planning this for a while and so you, you need to future-proof it a bit. You know, what are the hot topics? What's moving in nutrition? You know, it could be lactoferrin, it could be alpha-lactalbumin. So there are lots of products around there. What's moving in the dairy prebiotic market? Where's that going? Where's research going uh, at the moment? But what are the issues and the big things facing us? Supply and demand or the sustainability? So we've tried to map out a whole bunch of subjects and topics and products and technologies that are going to be interesting not only now, but they're going to be really hot in, in a year and a half or two years' time when we're active. Obviously, we're still a year away from it, but are there any highlights that are emerging yet? Gosh, uh, lots of products that are hot topics. I've mentioned a few of them. You know, I think the whole area of the whey proteins, how we're developing new whey proteins, the hydrolysis, the hydrolyzed whey proteins, uh, the bioactives, immunoglobulins, the lactoferrins, then the protein fractions, the uh, the alpha-lax and beta-lax are, uh, are very uh, hot. There's lots of new technologies emerging as membrane technologies advance very rapidly um, separation of the casein and the whey proteins the native uh, whey proteins as they're called now which i would have normally called serum protein concentrates or whatever so there's a whole bunch of of new products emerging out of innovation uh, and being taken up very rapidly um, by markets for anybody that would be listening to this that's interested in learning more or that wants to attend how do they where do they go the website is going, we were just discussing last week, all the logos and the this and that and the introductory documents. That will give people all of the, the dates and the accommodation opportunities. And then also, of course, a pro forma program with the main topics. 
some of the speakers have already been identified and have, have, uh, have agreed to uh, to participate, so they are, and some of them are still we're waiting for final confirmation and, and, and things like this. So I think within the next couple of weeks, it'll be in the public domain, uh, a lot more details uh, on this conference. And there is a link in the story that accompanies this podcast. However, if you're not able to access that because you're listening to this while you're driving or something, then you can always visit www.internationalwayconference.com. And as Fraser mentioned, it is being updated regularly as more and more information comes to light on the conference itself. And now it's time for our weekly look at the global dairy market with INCL FC Stone's Liam Fenton. Butter came under pressure this week in quarter three, which dropped about 75 euros to 44.50 level. Quarter four was quiet from a trading perspective and remained uh, about the 4,500 level. We continue to see a lot of physical butter being offered from the likes of Ireland, uh, where we see an abundant supply of milk. March figures this week had uh, March milk production up uh, 11% in Ireland. The latest German supermarket contract seems to have been agreed at the same level at last month of 4,000 euros a ton. Skimmel powder has continued to get stronger this week, up about 40 euros from the 2010 to 2050 level in June. Quarter three and quarter four, we've continued to see upward momentum and prices trading about the 2150 level now. This seems to be on the back of uh, global demand for powder, despite the likes of non-fat in the US being lower this week. Whey continues to remain around the 820 level of last week. Great. Thanks, Liam. We'll talk to you next week. INTL FC Stone provides risk management and margin hedging programs and services, as well as OTC hedging tool and M&A advisory services to the global dairy industry. And that's all we have time for this week. Next week, I will be in Switzerland at Vita Foods, doing lots of interviews and trying to find cheap restaurants in Geneva, which I never seem to achieve, and also getting good use out of my umbrella for a change. Yes, it rains in Scotland, but it's generally too windy to use an umbrella. When I first moved here, I was a bit puzzled by the fact I hardly saw anybody with an umbrella in the rain. Well, three inside-out broken umbrellas within a week later, I got the message... So I'll be using one in Geneva instead because the forecast really isn't very good. Next week I'll be putting together the program from a hotel room, so hopefully it's not a noisy one. And on the show next week will be Arla Foods, and I'm not allowed to tell you why, because the press release doesn't come out until next week. And also with packaging company Noluma on light damage to milk. And we'll probably save Vita Foods for a show of its own the week after. And so, as always... Hope you tune in again next week, and thanks so much for listening.